Nothing here is real. We are living in a simulation. Don't believe me? Good. We'll start from there. Episode 14. Hypothetically speaking. Scientific Perspectives. Now you might be thinking, sure, artists and strange people like me might come up with these odd ideas about living in a simulation. Sure, we have computers, but they're okay at stuff. And we're getting better VR games, but they're never going to be able to do anything else right? Well, today it's about talking about some of the theories which have fed into where a simulation of the size of the world might come from. There are a number of them on this list uh, from the prompt, five of them in particular. I'm really going to talk mostly about one of them, but I will mention the other four. First off, the multiverse theory. The idea that there are possible universes, all of which exist at the same time. And because it is possible to consider a simulated world, that would be one of them. This was, in fact, some feedback brought up by Mad Marv a while ago whether these things were compatible, whether the idea of a simulation or the multiverse was one or the other. Well, actually, multiverse theory is quite effective at saying the possibility of a simulation exists. Doesn't say much about whether we're in one, just that it would be possible. Similarly, the theories around quantum mechanics I've mentioned before. This is in part because the nature of quantum mechanics allows for strange behaviors at very small levels, which could indicate an edge to the actual experience we have, a, a limit to the simulation. Uh, it could be the reason why the, it is a simulation or what, why those things exist, rather, is because the simulation cannot operate at that granular level. Similarly, quantum computing offers interesting possibilities for overcoming at least one of the considerations for how it could be done. After all, if we think of a simulation, in modern parlance, we're thinking of some form of computer. Interesting how technology always offers itself as an explanation for reality. When technology was little more than dealing with spirits, the whole world was made of spirits. So uh, I don't know if computers are the be-all and end-all, or VR or AR, or whatever version you want to talk about. But at least right now, we see them as that possibility. 
weird for us to project that we've discovered the end of innovation, but okay, we'll accept that. Digital physics is an interesting projection. This is the idea that the universe is digital in nature, uh, which I suppose uh, it is described as information. There was a number of papers actually cited in the source material I was looking at. Not all of them, unfortunately, had the full text, but uh, the one on information and computation was interesting. Basically, all matter, all physics generates information. <clears throat> the fundamental unit of the universe, essentially, in this theory is information. And because of that, uh, you can actually estimate how much information would be required to include the entire of the universe. How much information does it generate? And then how much information is it generated over all time? And come up with an estimate. I have it somewhere here. But essentially, it's a really large number. Uh, the universe can have performed 10 to the 120 op operations on 10 to the 90 bits, uh, in, including gravitational degrees, or uh, sorry, 10 to the 120 degree, uh, bits, if it includes gravitational degrees of freedom. That's one of them that doesn't have the full text available for free. That's from the Physical Review Letters, Computational Capacity of the Universe, published in 2002. That leaves one of the theories, which is really at the heart of all of this. It's called, it's named after, after its author. I'm not sure how far it's really gotten. The risk publication is 2003. It's Bostrom's Simulation Argument by Nick Bostrom. And that text is fully available. You can search for it. I went reading through it. It's, uh, well, for my, uh, for my, grad studies, I had to read a lot of technical papers. And this is very much written in that style. Actually, it's a pretty good argument that we should give this, this, this article to the AI and have it spit out something a little bit more readable. But these uh, technical uh, forms are done for a purpose to be well understood. Now, I wasn't able to absorb the entire article. It's 14 pages long. I'm about eight pages through, and I started to skim a little bit. But the essential argument is not entirely unlike the Drake equation. If you're familiar with the Drake equation, what it really is is a probability uh, of does alien life exist in the universe? Uh, here are the factors which might lead into that. If the factors are at least above zero, then there's a non-zero chance that life exists in the universe. Well, a similar approach has been taken here, where uh, the, uh, the ratio, essentially, uh, is the fraction of all human-level technological civilizations that survive to reach a post-human stage. There's a a note about post-human here, which is kind of weird, um, but uh, the idea is that it's beyond the current limitations of our biology, essentially. There's a factor, so that's factor F, uh, little p, 
Big N with a bar is the average number of ancestor simulations run by a post-human civilization, with the argument being that when you're able to do this, you definitely would, or you're likely to. And the other factor here is Big H with a bar, the average number of individuals that have lived in a civilization before it reaches a post-human stage. The idea is to, to look at uh, the pre and post number of humans, if you will. Because once you have that post-human civilization, then you create all of the digital simulated human beings. Again, human being here really used as a substitute for sentient beings. But of course, it is a human-centered argument. Now, it goes on to show that of these three factors, uh, he modifies them a little bit. We have F little P, as I mentioned before, the fraction of all human-level technological civilizations that survive to reach that post-human age. But it refactors the others to include F little 1, the fraction of post-human civilizations that are interested in running ancestor simulations. Uh, or that contain at least some individuals interested in that who have sufficient resources to run a significant number of such simulations. In other words, a little bit weaker argument than uh, the total number of them actually run. It's an estimate. Uh, as well as uh, F-SIM, which is the end result that is the, uh, the actual frag fragment of all observers with human-type experiences that live in simulations. And the interesting thing is those three factors, depending on how you look at them, basically come up with three different propositions. Uh, he just, I'm going to scroll up to the very top of this where he lays this out a little bit better. Basically, uh, the, uh, the three conclusions, well, actually, sorry, I will go back down again. The three conclusions are that either the uh, fraction of human-level technological civilizations that survive to reach a post-human stage, by the way, which is a very similar argument to what's in the Drake equation, the number of civilizations that reach a technological level without destroying themselves. Uh, if that is not zero, uh, then we uh, have at least some uh, effect in the universe. There's some, some likelihood of this existing, rather. Uh, F1, the number of people interested is not zero, which seems like it's already not zero because there are people in our own civilizations, even though we haven't reached that level, we're definitely interested in doing this. And then, of course, the idea, the probability that there's a, a fraction of observers with human type experiences that live in simulations might actually be somewhere between zero and one. Actually, here they say it is uh approximately one, which when you're dealing with binary logic, it's either zero or one. So uh, effectively, uh, it would be true. So the argument here is that there's enough of a chance. And it's a pretty interesting argument, just like Drake's equation gives us hope that there might be other intelligent life out on Earth because we found one example, or sorry, out in space, because we found one example here on Earth. This one kind of does a similar trick. Uh, it it uh, suggests that the technological uh, limitations are not infeasible. They talk about the idea that uh, some form of simulated being can be done 
uh, on silicon or any other computing form. Um, that is the, let me see, it's the argument of uh, the substrate in independence, the assumption of substrate independence. Uh, and there's a, a strong likelihood that uh, they'll be capable of doing those sorts of things and will want to do something like that. I've already made the want to argument. That's where we look at, at the past and go, wouldn't it be great if we could simulate that to understand what really happened or to just experience it? Just as we make a movie that might display the past, uh, it might be a period movie, as we call it, or a documentary, which is really just a simulation of the past, uh, a collection of data trying to present what the past was. That is a simulation, very primitive by the standards of, you know, VR simulations, but still, nonetheless, it makes for an interesting case. Now, there is, I will say, a bit of a flaw in a lot of all of this, uh, and that is the assumption essentially of infinity. But that's a harder thing for people to say one way or the other. The assumption is that time and space are infinite, and thus these probabilities are allowed to play out to their utmost possibility. The reality that I've always experienced is that time and space are not infinite, there is a closure of space, if you will, at a particular point in time, or time ceases to be, uh, or rather it started at a particular point. And so I have difficulties with these, but these are bigger brains than mine, and they make pretty compelling arguments that we will have enough power, that we will live long enough, and we will want to know what the past is like. And then we'll actually build the thing. And then, of course, the next question, have we already done it? Or has another species done it? Maybe the long-derived future alien sentient, I can't call it alien, let's just call it future-derived sentient beings that exist, are very curious about why human beings existed as we did and maybe ended as we did. Maybe they're trying to understand where we went wrong or how we got so right, or how we managed to get this far without truly understanding ourselves. Kind of gives me some comfort to think that we'll try to understand everything. But don't worry. Here and now, nothing here is real. Talk to you tomorrow.